I own an island off the coast of Costa Rica. We've made living attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. Welcome to Jurassic World. We have a new attraction. She's bigger than the T-Rex. Probably not a good idea. out of containment everyone remain calm evacuate the island ready PG-13 Just kidding. <laughs> Thought it was a little velociraptor in there. Welcome, everybody. I just was hiding behind a bush and thought I'd make a joke. Glad you're all here. Uh, my name is Alex Barrett, and I'm the executive pastor here at Church in the Valley, and I also am the campus pastor of our Alhambra campus. And Randy's speaking in uh, Diamond Bar today, or no, I am. Where am I? I'm in Diamond Bar today and Randy's in Alhambra. And occasionally we, we switch so we can uh, reconnect with the people at the different campuses. And usually I stand up when I speak, uh, but today I'm not. I ruptured my Achilles about five weeks ago. And so I'm in a cast um, with a sock covering it. And it looks like that. And so I like to move around a lot when I speak, but today I'm in a chair. So this is like me moving. So just picture when I do that, I'm walking over there. When I do this, I'm walking that way. Okay, so if you could help me, that would feel a little better. But um, it's been a, a slow process, but one of the things that God is good, even in the midst of, and so I appreciate um, all, all the prayers that you guys have, have given. And I'm continuing a message series that we started a couple weeks ago called uh, Box Office Wisdom. And we actually have done this the last few years uh, in the summer. And our, our goal in the series is not to have kind of a summer where we promote movies, but really a time when we kind of take a look at what are, what are the messages uh, in movies, and even bigger than that, what, what are messages in our culture? And how, in the midst of those messages, do we actually pull out maybe truth from them, or maybe things that are not entirely true? And that's really how life is. We, we are always uh, having messages that bombard us. Uh, whether that's in our culture, whether that's in our media, whether that's in our experience, whether that's in our family. There's all sorts of messages that we've grown up hearing, uh, things that we base our life on now. And it's always a good opportunity to kind of take a step back and ask the question, is that message that I'm hearing uh, actually true? And if it's not, then what do I do with it? And in the course of life, it's very easy for our minds to be sponges. That is, we soak up everything that we listen to or everything that we see. Uh, but what you find is when you actually become somebody who follows Christ, there's a constant kind of process in life. Where we have to continue to squeeze out the sponge of our minds and our hearts to make sure that the right things stay in there. And that's really the goal of this series, how to squeeze out the right things or how to squeeze out the wrong things so that the right things can, can stick. And so today's message is on Jurassic World. And you've just seen the, the trailer for that. I'm a big 
Jurassic Park franchise guy. Like when that music starts, I get a little teary, you know, not really, but I really do like the movies. And this this new installment is really based on kind of the original premise of this dream that John Hammond had to bring dinosaurs to this present day. And if you've seen any of the movies, I'm not giving anything away by saying it, it never goes well. Um, anytime you bring dinosaurs in contact with humans, it doesn't go well. And so you could save your money if you're not really into it, uh, or you can go see it. But it's something that in the midst of the movies uh, and these franchises, there's this kind of strain of this dream that John Hammond have. He's the guy that kind of was from the original movie. He was the guy who decided he wanted to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars to bring this theme park so everyone could experience what it'd be like to be in the midst of, of dinosaurs. And so this newest movie is kind of back to that vein of trying to recapture that original dream. And so the theme that we're talking about today is actually that idea of follow your dream. And that's something that we really hear a lot of uh, in our culture. Uh, the idea of uh, if you have a dream and you believe that it can come true, uh, it will. And there's some good things to that theme, following your dream, and there's some things that aren't entirely helpful. And so we're going to talk about that today. And then we're going to look at really like a biblical angle of what does kind of God say about where our dreams fit into life. And when I say dreams, it's not necessarily big kind of things that we have that we want to see happen in our life, but, but also just goals. Uh, because in our dreams, a lot of times are our goals and the things that, that we'd like to see happen. And so we're going to kind of take a look at what does the Bible say about goals and ambition? And certainly uh, this isn't about squashing our dreams. If you have a dream, just throw it out because dreams are actually and a vision for your life. It can actually be a good thing. And actually, God has given us ambition. And that's a good thing. But there are certain filters that we need to make sure we have in place that our dreams fit in. So it's not just this idea of whenever, whatever we want to see happen in our life, that's what we want to happen. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about. What are the filters that God's put in place in which to kind of put the vision that we may have uh, for our life? But I want just to share some different quotes that appear uh, really in the history of this idea of follow your dreams. Now, certainly I'm sure you've heard this idea of follow your dreams. It's kind of something that we, we've all probably grown up hearing, but it, it's been around a long time. Plato even said something like this, follow dreams and do not waste time on empty things. I think all of us could agree, like following a dream versus empty things. Let's follow the dream. That makes sense. Uh, another guy said, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Live the life you've imagined. So this idea of whatever your dream is, go confidently to it. Picture it in your head and, and, and go for it. Uh, Walt Disney, we know him, Southern California. If you can dream it, you can do it. Always remember that this whole thing was started with a dream and a mouse. Okay, that's it. Find the mouse. The dream comes true. Elvis, this is like, you know, if you're a rock and roll star, this is what you have to say. Okay, never chase women. Chase your dreams. Then women will follow. It's like Elvis is the only guy that could say that. And we're like, that's, that's right, Elvis. Uh, there's also kind of a current stream that you find on the Internet. Some of it's in this vein and some of it's cynical. I don't know about you, but sometimes I prefer some of the cynical things 
Because I think that's sometimes how I think. Like I see something, I'm like, follow your dreams. Come on, that's not going to, what? That's not going to happen. So here's some good and bad that people have in view of this theme. If you don't build your dreams, someone else will hire you to build theirs. There you go. Follow your dreams, believe in yourself, and don't give up. Okay, that's kind of our current, our current idea. If anyone ever tells you your dreams are silly, remember there's some millionaire walking around who invented the pool noodle. It's like right when you give up, you see the pool noodle, you say, I, I can create something here. Um, I'm sick of following my dreams. I'm just going to ask them where they're going and hook up with them later. There you go. I tried to follow my dreams. Now I have multiple restraining orders. That's uh, this brings you back to reality right there. Last one, I promise. Some tips for life. Don't be afraid to follow your dreams unless your dreams are stupid. So there you go. Positive and negative. But like anything in life, that, that can be kind of true. Uh, there's kind of this general idea of follow your dreams. But when you, you kind of dig into it and you unpeel it and you kind of think what that means, it's, sometimes it can be vague or sometimes it can be confusing. But kind of the general premise of this is have an idea of what you want your life to be about. And then do it. When I was an elementary school teacher, uh, we had a whole year that was kind of focused on this theme. And the theme was dream believe, achieve. And like every week, all the kids, and we would just say, dream, believe, and achieve. And the idea is dream what you want to be, believe that it can happen and achieve. So, so it will. And so this kind of this idea, again, it's, it's ambition, make something of your life. And again, that that's, that's not bad. Uh, It's actually connected to what we talked about last week of YOLO. You only live once. There's a sense in which life is short and you do only live once. So Dreaming is kind of our idea in our culture of making sure that we, we live a life that counts. But there's a little bit more to it than that. And what you find in the Jurassic Park movies and Jurassic World is if you have a dream and you base your whole life on that dream, but it doesn't turn out how you wanted it to, what do you do? I think that's actually something, there's something there because I think all of us, and I know certainly for myself, I've had different dreams of what my, my life could be. I remember when I was younger, I had the dream like I wanted to be a pilot. And then like someone told me, I, I didn't even look at the facts, but somebody said, hey, to be a pilot, you have to be good at math. And I said, I don't want to be a pilot anymore. <laughs> the dream was done. Just like that. One person told me, changed the direction of my whole life. Then I was like, I want to be a judge. See, my dreams were always like career oriented. Maybe you could relate. But I was like, I want to be a judge. They like wear robes. They get to like hit a hammer. I was like seven. That was like, you get to dress up and you get to hit things. If you're a boy, that's like, that's what you do in your childhood, you know? So that, and then somebody said, you know, to be a judge, you got to go to like a hundred years of school. I'm like, I, I don't want to do that. And then, you know, I shifted to like something more practical, like, you know, a rock and roll star. Maybe I could try that. And there are all sorts of things that I had, and they're always career oriented. But what I found in my own life is that I shifted a lot in my ideas. Like I wanted to be this and no, that doesn't make sense. I want to be this. And, and what happens in, in our life, whether we pursue it or not, as those dreams don't happen anymore, uh, it can actually leave us kind of wondering what life is all about. And there's something in all of us where we don't want to get to the end of our life and look back at our dreams and realize two things. Either we had dreams that didn't come true or we had dreams and they came true, but 
They were the wrong dreams. It was the wrong vision. And really, that is why we need help outside of ourselves. Because if we just dream things and we go to achieve it, we have to make sure that we're actually dreaming the right things. And that our direction is actually going in the right way. Because we don't want to be lost. And we don't want to spend our our energy and our time and our money and our life on things that, that don't matter. And so, again, the ambition I think God has put in us to actually make something of ourselves. But because God made us and he knows exactly how we are, we actually have to go back to him to kind of get the idea of what should I base my life on? What should my ambition and my energy and the focus of my life, what should it actually be focused on? What should I actually be moving towards? And that's what I want to spend the rest of our time talking about. There's a, a warning in scripture. And when you say warning, a lot of times we kind of feel like, oh, the Bible's warning us and we just kind of want to stop and we want to feel like we're scolded by God. But a warning is actually in Scripture something that's saying, do this, don't do that. It's actually supposed to be really helpful. And so there's a warning that we find kind of in related to our plans of our life. And I want to share that because this is the big picture of plans, big picture of goals and the big pictures of our dreams. And it begins with this idea that God wants us to pursue our dreams or our goals or both with an open hand. Meaning. It may happen. It may not happen. Now, that kind of feels like that's the antithesis of having a dream, because a dream is like the idea of no matter what. Make it happen. But actually, that's not a biblical idea, because our goals always in view of God need to be with an open hand that they they could happen or they could not. Now, try to aim at that target, right? You could do it or you could not. You're like, which way do I go? But what you find in the book of James in the scripture is an idea perspective of what to do with direction, because this is all about direction. Where should we go? And this is what it says. It says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. And so those verses right there actually draw quite a few lines. And it's kind of giving this picture of this is how we should view our future. And it begins with this idea of no one knows their future. Would you agree with that? I think I would, because you know what? I actually don't know what tomorrow will look like. I have kind of an idea of what today looked like and maybe what last week looked like, but I actually don't know what tomorrow will look like because it hasn't come. And so there's this idea that since we don't know the future, that's why you have to have an open hand. Because God is the only one that knows exactly what will happen. He's the only one. So the idea of our goals and the ambition of our life, we're limited in what we can actually see. And since we're limited in what we can see, we should be limited in what we should say. So because we can't see tomorrow, we can't really speak about what tomorrow will bring. And there's this preface, and this is the open hand. And it's if the Lord wills. I learned this a few years ago. It's this idea that really we live 
in this world and we have our life. But really, everything that we do is if the Lord wills or not. And it's in the simplest and smallest things. Like, what are you going to do tomorrow? Lord willing, I will wake up. What's the dream of your life, Alex? Lord willing, I will wake up tomorrow. See, people don't get fired up about that. That could mean multiple things. Lord willing, my alarm goes off, so I'll wake up. Or Lord willing, I actually have breath to wake up. But it's at that level. We don't even know what tomorrow will look like. We don't even know if we're going to be alive. Again, those don't make great like dream posters. Dream if you're alive tomorrow, which you don't know. Right? It's just, it doesn't, it's not good marketing. But it's true. You have to have an open hand because we don't know what our future is going to hold. In fact, in Proverbs, it's kind of broad stroke gives even more perspective. It says this in Proverbs 19, 21. And I like this because it speaks to us as humans. Many are the plans in the mind of a man. The idea of man here is humanity, humans. What it's saying is humans think a lot. They have lots of plans. And I I would agree with that. I have lots of plans in my life, lots of things that I'm going to see happen this week and maybe next year and maybe the year after that. And it's just saying many, many are the plans. We have just tons of these ideas. We have tons of these goals. We have tons of these tasks. We have tons of these things that we want to see happen. But based in the context of James, we actually don't know if any of them will. But then the second part of it says this, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So despite all the plans and the fact that we don't know if any of that's going to come true, the one thing we do know will come true is the purpose of the Lord. So again, the idea of follow your dreams is really against the backdrop of this idea of if it's the Lord's will for my life, this will happen. Or if it's the Lord's will for my life, this will not happen. Well, how can you say that? Because it's the Lord's purposes and plans that stand. They are the ones that will happen because he's God. So this idea is, is really important for us to get because it allows us to kind of have a sober mind. Now, again, it doesn't mean that you just live your life every day you wake up and you say, well, since I didn't know I was going to have today, I didn't make any plans today. So I guess I'll just watch TV. <laughs> right. Again, God's given us energy and ambition to accomplish things. But again, we have to look at who we need to focus on. Many times our dreams are what, what we want to do or where, where we want to go. Or when do we want to do things? But when you come into a relationship with God, you find it's not about the what. And it's not about the where. And it's actually not about the when. It's about who. And our dreams, according to the scriptures, are always filtered through who we relate to. And who we focus on. And that's God himself. And the kind of the idea is the scriptures are always pointing to the fact that our plans and our goals and our ideas sometimes are the biggest thing that we see in our mind. They're actually maybe the only thing we think about. I'm going to be content and happy when I reach this goal, when I finish school, when I get in this relationship, 
when I get this job, when I get to retirement, when I get this financial status. It's always when we get to this certain line in our, in our life. When we get there, I've lived my purpose. I've lived my dream. But what you find in the scriptures is an open hand life means in the midst of the things I don't know, I need to get to know God, the one I can know. That's very different. That's a very different perspective than a lot of times what pulls at us because many are the plans that we have on our mind. I want to show a clip from the first Jurassic Park, and it's going to be really dark. And so you're going to be thinking, was this movie made in 1993? Yes, it was. But uh, what I want you to do is not focus on the picture, but try to focus on the words because the quality is not good. But what John Hammond is saying, which connects kind of throughout these Jurassic Park movies through this franchise, is this idea of the dream he had and then what he saw happen. So just kind of listen to this in his perspective. They were all melting. Malcolm's okay for now. I gave him a shot of morphine. That'll be fine. Who better to get the children through Jurassic Park than a dinosaur expert? You know the first attraction I ever built when I came down from Scotland? Flea Circus, Petticoat Lane. Really quite wonderful. We had uh, a wee trapeze and a uh, uh, um, car- carousel. <laughs> and a seesaw. They all move, motorized, of course, but uh, people would say they could see the fleas. Oh, I can see the fleas, Mummy, can't you see the fleas? Clown fleas and... I wire fleas and fleas on parade. This place, I wanted to show them something that wasn't an illusion. Something that was real. Something that they could see and touch. I mean, not devoid of merit. But you can't think through this one, John. You have to feel it. (laughs) You're right. You're absolutely right. Having Nedry was a mistake. That's obvious. We're over-dependent on automation. I can see that now. Now, the next time, everything's correctable. Creation is an act of sheer will. Next time it'll be flawless. It's still the flea circus. It's all an illusion. When we have control again. You never have control. That's the illusion. I was overwhelmed by the power of this place. But I made a mistake too. I didn't have enough respect for that power. And it's out now. The only thing that matters now are the people we love. Alan and Lex and Tim... John, they're out there where people are dying.
I don't know if you could see it on his face, but you could hear it in his voice as well. That there was an anguish that he was experiencing. And it was the, really the, the death of a dream. And he went back to this idea of control. But if we could control this power, if we could control the knowledge that we've gained, if we could control the things that we couldn't control and we've learned from, then it could be fulfilled again. And that's certainly kind of, kind of continued on in each of these movies. And you find this a lot. It's don't, we, we can't give up. We can't give up. And certainly, not bailing out on things is important, but there's a sense in which, again, if your dream is too narrow or it's not focused on the right thing, then you could actually, by not giving up again and again and again, you could waste your life. And so what God wants to do in the midst of the things that we thought our life would be or we think it should be in 20 years from now, there's a part in which we have to actually shift our focus and ask the question, what should the goal of my life be? Not what is it, but what should it be? Because if you're like me, I don't want to spin my wheels. I don't want to waste my life. I want to make a difference. I want to handle things in a way that actually pleases God. But I have to ask that question. Then what should my life be about, really? Like, what should I spend my time on? When you dig in the scriptures, you actually get the answer to that. And the answer to that is knowing God and doing His will should be the greatest goal in life. Now, if you come to church, doesn't that seem like that's the answer that you're supposed to hear? Even that can become cliche at times. This idea of, okay, so I don't have any goals or I don't have any problems and I'm just supposed to focus on knowing God. Well, again, what you find is as you enter the relationship with the living God, you actually get more direction than you've ever had, which allows you to accomplish more than you ever could by yourself. And so it actually widens your perspective and the influence that you can have. And so I just want to read a scripture in Jeremiah that kind of talks about what to focus on in, in light of that. It says this, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things, I delight, declares the Lord. And what's interesting when I was reading that passage is it says three times the things that we shouldn't boast in. And those three things, from my experience, just at the pull in my own heart and from what I've seen, kind of the pull of us just in our culture is the three things that he says we shouldn't boast in are actually the very things that a lot of times are very important to us. First is do not boast in your wisdom. And we're always kind of pushing to know more. I don't know if you've realized this, but we don't do less school. 
than we did 20 years ago, right? It seems like right now to get like the lowest level job, you have to have a master's degree, right? I mean, it's crazy. And what it is, is just a continued push to know more. And so many times our dream and goals can be based on knowledge, education. If I get this degree or if I attain this amount of knowledge or wisdom or how the life works, then I'm going to be complete. And so we can pursue that. That can be the pursuit of our life. The second is strength. Now, if you're not the type that really wants to fill your mind with knowledge, and you think, well, at least I can become strong and powerful. And that's also a pull that many of us want to base our dreams on and our goals. How can I have strength and power? How can I be successful? How can I be over people? How can I lead people? What you find is strength in itself is not a worthy goal to base your whole life on. Neither is knowledge or, or, or wisdom. And the last is another has wealth. So it's kind of covering all the bases. Maybe education and knowledge isn't the most important thing. Maybe strength and power isn't either. But then it kind of goes on further. Money. And I think in those three things, that kind of covers most of us. You know, I don't care how much school I do. I don't care how much strength I have. But as long as I make enough money, I think I can fulfill my dreams. I think I can kind of achieve what I want to achieve. And this is where relationship with God is so counter normal, countercultural to what we experience in life. It's the idea of it's not achieving. And it's not just what you know. But again, it's who you know. And the scripture is saying, if you're going to boast. And the Bible never really says to boast about anything. But it says, if you're going to boast, boast that you know God. So this idea of, I'm living my life to pursue God. It's like you're, you're laying it all in line there. He is the one that I want to focus on. He's the one that I want to get to know. And so this idea of knowing God and doing his will. That's what the scriptures are saying. You have to have an open hand in because really, if it's knowing God and doing his will, then he gets to decide the direction of our life. Again, it's back to control. I don't know about you, but I don't wake up every day and think to myself, God, I just want to do your will. Just kind of just stay there. Let that ring out. I don't say that. Usually it's like, I would like to sleep a little bit longer. That wasn't on the wealth or the wisdom or the strength, but sleep. It's a goal I have. Or just I want to get like the stuff I've got stressful on my plate. I want to get that done. And so in us, there's this struggle where oftentimes our goals, are, they're very narrow. I know for myself, they're very self-serving. It's kind of what do I need to do? How do I need to do it? And how do I know if I got it done? That's kind of my life. But God is always pulling us to look up, look up and see, okay, it's not just about my own goals. It's not just about my own dreams. There's something far greater going on that God wants me to be a part of. 
but it begins with how I spend my time. And so knowing God, if you've grown up in the church, you may have a sense of what it means to know God. The primary way you get to know God is you actually have to slow down, turn down the noise of life, whatever that is. And you have to actually read the scriptures and you have to get to know him. That's the primary way you get to know God is read his word. That's the book that he gave us that shows us who he is, what's important to him and how he operates. And so it begins with how we spend our time and nothing should trump time with God. Nothing. Relationship shouldn't. Pursuing a paycheck shouldn't. Busyness shouldn't. Because if that's the ultimate goal of your life, to know him, then everything else fits under that. Well, that's a real struggle. Because there's so many things that vie our attention. There's so much noise that we experience. That oftentimes knowing God, the God that we can't see, and we wonder if he's there and we can't hear, that's usually the first thing we're like, well, I can, I can put that aside. So it begins with that idea of time, how I spend my time and getting to know God and praying to him. And here at Church in the Valley, we, we want to help everyone begin that and get an idea of how does God speak to us? How does God lead us? That is the real life. Real people following a real God and seeing life unfold. So then as that begins to happen, part of doing his will is you begin to realize the priorities that he has. So as you read the scriptures and you see different values opposed to other values, you see what's important. And the goal of our life should be to make sure our ranking match God's ranking on things. You know, God loves people way more than I do. That's true. He loves my wife more than I do. He loves my kids more than I do. He loves his church more than I do. And I think that's true for all of us because God's love is, is endless and it's pure. And mine isn't. And so when I realize how much he loves people and the ranking he has on those, especially that don't know him, then that should begin to kind of transform what I give my time and what I give my energy towards. So that's the process of getting to know God. But it begins with a relationship with him. And you begin to get to know God in a real way once you actually surrender your life to him and you make him the boss. Once you do that, he gives himself to you in the person of the Holy Spirit and you get his power and you get this new set of lens to look at life. And what becomes what's important to him now becomes important to me. And if you've been a Christian a long time, that can become stale and you can get lost in everything that we have going on. But it comes back to this idea of, am I getting to know God on a daily basis and allowing the things that are important to him to become important to, to me? That's what our goals and our dreams should be based on. What's important to God should become important to me. It's not status. It's not advancement. It's not pleasure or feeling good. But how can what's important to him become important to me and that starts with getting to know him now here's the good thing there's a part of it as you you dig into this and you kind of look at this where it seems like so do i just like toss any goal or dream i've ever had right oftentimes it's like become a christian 
and be unhappy the rest of your life for God. Don't you want to do it? People, that's that's kind of the idea. It's like, well, I just got to know God. Like That could seem boring. That could seem stale. People aren't wanting to bail on their own plans and ideas. They've had them a long time. But the story doesn't end there. Because once you actually make it a priority to know him and do his will, you get direction that you've never had before. So you you see paths clearer than you've seen. The fog becomes lifted over time. And as you take each day, as the Lord wills, you see where he leads you. And so the very direction that we want as we build our dreams and what we want to achieve, you get as you get to know God. And that's really because he's gracious and that's because he's loving. It didn't have to be that way. Think about that. It could be that he says, you know me, you do my will. And then you die. That could have been God's plan. Again, not the most popular bumper sticker. But as you dig into the scriptures, something happens. And there's this picture of man that was going his own way and is lost. To being redeemed by God and found and taken on the path that God leads him. And so we actually have the opportunity to be led by the living God who knows the exact direction that we should go. So as you get to know God, you get more clarity over time. It doesn't mean that you know the future now because you still don't. But you do know that you can trust God tomorrow. Because he knows tomorrow. And I know that I can't trust me tomorrow because I don't know tomorrow. You see how that works? There's two things I know. He knows it and I don't. So then who do I trust? That's really the good news of the scriptures. We can have a purpose that's greater than anything we can create ourselves. And we can be led by God himself. That's it. But it begins with you've got to get to know him, take the time to do that. And then you get direction. And that's what I want to close out, just two points. And this is kind of what about my own goals and my own dreams? Where, where does this fit? Well... As you choose God's purposes, he will direct you. Not only will he direct you, but he'll direct you into the right steps. That's a promise. Proverbs 16, 9. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You see, that kind of echoes that first part, what we read earlier. Many a planned on the mind of a man. Same idea. A man's heart plans his way. So we have these ideas that we want. We have these goals. We're always going to have them. A vision for our life, an ambition. Again, that's not bad. But the second part is, but the Lord directs his steps. So as you get to know God and you decide to go his way, he will lead you. And you will get direction that you've never known. I can't convince you of that. A loved one can't convince you of that. You have to experience that. That's what faith is. You have to experience it for yourself to realize that that's true. And the second thing, and this is equally as important, is as you pursue God and you get to know him, he will lead you into a full life. And this is where it all gets real. Because the reason we want to dream 
is because we want a full life. We want to experience life to its fullest. We don't want to waste it. If you choose to follow God, you can actually experience that. It doesn't mean it may be what you thought. Because again, it's not based on wisdom, strength. It's not based on those things. But you will have a full life. Jesus came to show us that. That's what he said in John 10, 10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And this is what we have to battle each day of our life. And it's a real battle. And it's every day we wake up. The question is, who will lead? And the bottom line is, when I'm wrestling with that, I want to lead because I want my own full life based on how I've defined it. God leads and he will give us a full life based on how he has defined it. And that's the wrestling match. Who leads? So I want to encourage you this morning, wherever you are, whether you've been a Christ follower a long time or you've been checking out Christianity. That's the question we all have to ask every day. Who leads? And I want to encourage you to consider, is God leading your life? Not just on the big scale, like you know he's there and he's watching over you, but does he actually have your plans? And are you willing to give them up for what he wants from you? That's how you know who leads. Are you willing to give up your plans and your goals and the vision you have for your life in order to see what his are for your life? That's what it boils down to. So I encourage you just to ask that question, who leads? And as you begin there, that's where God begins to work. There's some next steps and I'm actually going to wrap up and you can take those today on your connection cards. If you pull out your connection card and you can fill that out, the band's going to come up and there's just uh, two steps you can take. It begins really with the idea, like I've said, if you've not yet committed your life to follow Jesus and you've surrendered to him, if you've not done that before, you can check that and we'll send you some information and follow up with you so you can have an idea of, well, how do I change who leads my life? And so we'd like to help you in that. And the second is maybe there's some things that you have, just some goals and some dreams and some things that you're wrestling with. And maybe it's just time to ask him to confirm whether that's real or whether that should be there. Or maybe you need to seek wise advice or you need to just give God time to work. You maybe just have confusion and you're kind of trying to figure out what you should do. But I encourage you, it may be just time you need to actually seek God to confirm it. Is this goal and dream in line with his will? So I encourage you to do that. We're going to receive our offering uh, as we sing, and you can drop that completed uh, connection card in there. Let's pray together. Father, I, I just I hang on to your promise that you will lead us and that you will give us a full life. And as I've gotten to know you, I, I really realize that that is true. I've experienced that myself. And so I know there's many people that have, and there's some that... They haven't. And so I ask for, for those of us that are tr- really trying to figure out who should lead and if the full life can be found in you, I, I ask God that you will show them, that you'll give them a sense that that's true or at least enough to begin to consider you. And for those of us that have different goals and visions and they, they've, they've not come true, 
God, help us to see if this is something that we just need to surrender to you and, and give up. And so we, we know that you know everything that we want to do and you know everything that we have done. And you're still good to us. And so we, we, we really do trust you and that you'll show us uh, the direction that you have. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.